Hey, and welcome to the Curious Cult Show. You are currently listening to a curiously quarantined live recorded episode. These were recorded in front of a live audience digitally on a webinar. So please don't look for the chats. Don't look for the questions. Just enjoy me and the guests talking about really interesting things and obsessing over our curiosities. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please give us a like, a rating, a review, and a share everywhere you can possibly think. That's what keeps me curious and interested. And for now, enjoy the talk. Welcome to today's Start Something stream. Uh, with me is Joy, the CEO of My Fan Park. I got that right? You got that right. Hi. Okay, good. Um, so, uh, welcome and thank you for giving me your time. Um, I don't introduce my guests because I think you can do a better job. So why don't you quickly tell us who you are and what my fan park is? Sure. Thanks for having me today. So my name is Joy Des Fountain. I am the co-founder and CEO of my fan park. I'm an accountant by trade, was in corporate for 18 years post articles. And for a number of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get to on this podcast, we'll, we'll, I, I made the kind of big leap and took the, took the call to leave corporate and, and make my side hustle a full-time hustle. And yeah, and FanPark is a platform in its purest form at the moment that connects fans and brands to people that they most admire. So we've got four, over 400 and or well, about 450 celebrities on our platform. Local, we've got about 350 guys and we've recently launched into Germany, Austria and Switzerland. And we have some West African guys on there as well. And what you are able to do is buy personalized video shout outs. So the new in lockdown, we haven't been able to see our mates and wish them a happy birthday. We haven't been able to send uh, wish mom, send mom a, a happy a Mother's Day message and everything and we've absolutely seen the uptick as a result of being able to to have an authentic communication and connection over a time the physical connection has been deemed illegal so so that's what fan park does i am also oh. a wife and i am a mom of three so these last eight weeks have had me juggling in ways that i didn't know i could juggle <laughs> yeah insane uh, we'll definitely get to all of that um cool so that is quite a thing. Uh, I am interested in the leap from accounting to side hustle startup. So why don't you start by giving us a brief breakdown of how you got from accountant to startup founder? Yeah, absolutely. So I think if I go way back to the beginning, I left school. I was I was schooled. Well, I kept, my parents were in the diplomatic corps and I lived in Washington, D.C. I was schooled in D.C. for a number of years arrived back and went to Pretoria Girls High for the last two years. So coming from like crazy American school and going straight into all girls school at Pretoria Girls High in Santa Nine was rough and tough yeah. and not some of the, the my fondest memories. Anyways, I, I immediately, not having been schooled in America, I, we took quite different subjects then. I came back and found an interest in accounting and so had to make up about two years of it as a result of not having done it at school in the states and so so yeah caught my got myself up to speed and realized that accounting was what i wanted to do post school but i didn't really want to follow the standard approach so i oh there we go i saw barry hilton's ad on facebook thanks i shouldn't be reading those right now hey <laughs> you can <laughs> you can do whatever you want yeah that's okay um 
And yeah, so ended up actually doing my articles straight out of school. I went in at 18 and then studied, taught myself accounting, financial management, auditing and tax part time and did my articles part time, uh, full time and studied part time. And and then, yeah, jumped straight out of that, finished up and moved back down to Cape Town where I was born and went straight into, I suppose at the age of 22, was fortunate enough now to have to hold quite um, senior positions in finance and accounting and jumped straight into a very, very serious and fast paced corporate career. But bearing in mind then that I never really had that jump from high school to university and was just like, go, 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 go from the time I started. Um, and it really just continued. So on that journey, I was like, I am climbing this corporate ladder. I am going to, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to get to the top of it and started going in the meantime um met who is now my husband who kind of as many do threw a spanner in my like super ambitious climbing the career uh, the corporate ladder <laughs> um plans um he was a professional sportsman at the time and he was actually going to go and and head off he'd signed with an italian club so i was like all right well we're getting married i'm going to stop things now take a little bit of a breath and and head overseas with him and how old were you then? Uh, we got married at 25. Okay, and I'm just trying to get a picture of the year. So what year was that? 2010. Okay. 2010. Cool. Yeah, we've been married 10 years now. I'm 35. Lots of information coming out on this podcast. <laughs> Jeepers. Um, <laughs> That's just the and, tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So yeah, he headed over. He actually got injured in the process just before we got married. So I went over, brought him back and we started, we moved back up to Joburg then as he was then um, contracted to the Lions. I went straight back into the world of accounting and mm -hmm. I mustn't look at these things on the side here. I'm <laughs> on the side. And, and then- You can, yeah, there I might suppose, be a question there. You never know. Yeah, true. Just be kind, whatever you put there. And, and so- and so, yeah, got back into it and then he continued playing rugby. But at that time and being married to a planner such as myself, I was like, listen, dude, what are we doing after this rugby career comes to an end? And we were quite fortunate that I suppose his strengths and my weaknesses and vice versa count to each other. So there was an inherent respect in how we do things and how we approach things. And so started a few side hustles. Whilst he was playing rugby, I was um, in corporate. And, and yeah, we've done a number of things. As we were prepping for this, I was like, do I even speak about the kind of shit that we have done? Yeah, um, that, we'll, we'll definitely take, get into that. It's going to take some serious Absolutely. digging for you to get that out Okay, um, fine, yeah, I'll try my best. From, we went from frozen, we were one of the first to have mobile frozen yoga trailers to, wow. and to, we opened a, we were actually also one of the first at the time to have a cold press juice company. So we would, Dylan would head to the market, the Joburg market early in the morning. We would have staff arrive at our house with juices. Dylan would drop off all the produce and they would bottle. I was heading to work. He would come back from training. We would go through orders, etc. And that started, I suppose, our world of side hustle a bit and figuring out each other in business. And I suppose yeah. one of the biggest learnings, not to speak on behalf of Dylan, was, was having kind of followed a sporting career and a professional sporting career to actually understand what 
and I say it with the greatest respect, but what the real world was like out of out of the world of, of professional yeah. sports. And so it was a massive baptism of fire, but really the best thing for us. And so, yeah, we did we did jingles, frozen yogurts, we did juiced, um, Colbert's Juice Company, and and then um, actually moved back down to Cape Town. By that stage, I'd had our first child and moved back down here. I was fortunate with the company that I was in at that stage that I was the CFO of the group of companies that their head office was actually here in Cape Town. So it was an easy transfer for me. And we just made the call that both of us are from Cape Town. As we were raising our kids, we wanted them to be able to call Cape Town home, run up the mountain every now and then and be able to choose from the beaches. And so, yeah, that's what we did. And then kind of came back to Cape Town, um, jumped straight back into kind of full-time work. Dylan was then managing was managing our, our, our juice business and he then went into a few tech investments on the side as well. So got the baptism of fire in terms of tech startups quite early on. Um, and and then, yeah, 2018 actually is when one of my colleagues at the time at the, at the group of companies that I was I'm a part of was very familiar with the fact that Dylan and I, and I speak side hustle quite openly, um, had kind of done a lot of the stuff, had had one in some, had failed in the others, had lots of scars and wounds as a result of it. And he had, he was traveling to Portugal at the time. And he had told his barber here in Cape Town, listen, I'm going to Portugal. And his barber said, look, there is the most famous barber shop in Portugal. And he would like nothing more than for Voto, who's one of the founders, to go there and to have a picture with the guy at the barbershop, the owner of the barbershop. So Vota headed to Portugal on holiday, went to this barber shop, said hello to the barber owner. And he said, can I have a photo with you? And the barber owner said, well, let me do one up on you. Let's do a video for this man. Took a personalized video for the barber here in Cape Town. Vota sent it to the barber. The barber was beside himself, said it's the best gift he's ever received. And Vota came back here and one night um, with a fair few glasses of wine, said, is there not an opportunity? To, to create a new platform that connects people in a very authentic, non-curated manner that we could launch mm. in South Africa and potentially scale. So that started my fan park and that was 18 months ago. And yeah, and, and since then we have just, I suppose, a high level. Um, we launched in South Africa in October. We, our view always when we, October last year, so we had, we built, we had some fun on with tech um, and a few teething problems. Um, obviously, had to establish a full business plan, etc., and then and then launched um, officially in October last year, and it was super cool. In November, we were awarded one of the top five startups um, in South Africa, which basically with six weeks real trading behind us. Um, in November last year, we started. Well, I suppose to go back, I had um, when I was writing up the business plan. I wrote down a number of key principles and I wrote down some key markets because I had said like, listen, this is where we live. This is where we're building it um, for now. But our view was absolutely global platform and local implementation. So me not claiming to sit here or in Silicon Valley or in China or wherever else um, and claim to understand what key markets need in order to deliver this correctly but finding the right partners in each of those markets. So way back, I had written down three countries. I wrote down India as like this dream. I wrote down, well, not a country, but a region being West Africa and Southeast Asia. 
Um, and on the 1st of July this year, we launched in India with a partner that is okay. so incredibly well suited. He used to, he's one of the biggest names in entertainment and sports management in India. And yeah, we take Fan Park to India very shortly, which is literally a dream come true. That's an amazing story and a great summary in like eight minutes. Was long, uh, that sorry. was really well. No, it wasn't. It was perfect. I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell that. So that's great. Um, I just I have a question here. I want to write down before I forget. Um, so I I want to pick up on something that you said and, and you've said it uh, before and I've heard you say it before and I'm very interested in this because I have a polarizing opinion on this. Um, mm. I think business plans are bullshit. And you just told me you wrote one. So why? Like, why did you write one? What did you put in it? And how did it help you? Did it help you raise funding? Like, what was the value of a business plan? Because in 20 years of building businesses, I've written one business plan that took me six months and was never seen by anyone and it failed. So a very simple answer. I hate business plans with everything in me, okay? Everything in me. But there is the accountant in me who needs to who needs to put a lot of what's up here onto Excel spreadsheets to be able to plan, forecast, etc. But most okay. importantly, we're raising funds. And and to raise funds, um, unfortunately, we aren't one of those like WeWorks who got in a cab with someone for five seconds and he said, like, here's $20 billion for you. Um, yeah. he, um, so, so, yeah, we're in fundraising. And, and I always knew that that was going to be our approach. Our, our, gro our, our growth strategy is very, very aggressive. And in doing so, it's, it requires a fair amount of thinking and, and execution thereof. And so I started building the framework for it really early on. So that's so that when someone come when we kind of went into fundraising, I had the basis and I wasn't kind of entrenched in the business saying, oh, my word, now I've got to put a week aside to do a business plan. So the framework has always been there. Okay. Do I like them? And you can ask my team. I hate them with everything in me because what I'm putting there, if it's projections, it's all my assumptions. It's a load yeah. of nonsense. And then you sit with and then you sit with guys that you pitch to and they're like, well, um, let's go through your assumptions. I'm like, they're assumptions. They're the best I yeah. can do based on my understanding of the business, where we've come from and our plans to go forward. So, yeah. so no, I anyone can make a spreadsheet look up and to the right. <laughs> yeah. how, how high do you want it to go? Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll be billionaires, um, sure. No yeah, exactly. Easy. So, so that's why I did a business plan. But I suppose on top of that, there is absolutely an element of, I believe in writing down goals. It doesn't have to be financial goals. It doesn't have to be 30,000 lines of Excel spreadsheets. It absolutely speaks to writing down and setting goals personally, professionally, within the business, revenue targets, um, kind of celebrity signups, et cetera, and, and, and visualizing it. I'm a big visualizer. Mm -hmm. I believe in it. I believe in saying every day the approach to kind of doing what we're going to do, why we are doing what we're doing. And, and so, yeah, it's less about the business plan. It's more about speaking those things into life. And I suppose, Nick, the yeah. one thing I didn't speak through was why Fan Park? So naturally there was this opportunity and we were like, hold on, this could be something. But as I was in the kind of corporate world, I became, I, I got to a place that it was hard. It was hard. Um, I, I'm, I'll say something quite controversial, but I still don't know if, if corporate, corporate South Africa um, is, is ready for women um, 
in in very senior positions. I don't even think that's and that's think, controversial. Um, I think it was it was super hard, and not because of the group of companies I was in. They were phenomenal, but trying to do a lot, trying to be, trying to hold a, a position of CFO, trying to be everything that my team needs of me in work trying to be a mom to three. I had a baby at the time. Well, I actually had a baby as I said, so two kids at the time. Um, trying to be a wife, trying to be the nurturer, trying to also just, yeah, fulfill the role of kind of ambitious woman, but also But Jordan, woman. has that changed at a startup? Surely it is orders of magnitude more intense now that it's your business, yeah. the salary is on your head, um, you're the CEO. Now everything is about you. Now, isn't it worse than if you were in a corporate? There's no, nothing guaranteed. Safety net. It's Oh, the risk is not the problem. The risk is not the problem. I have the ability to, to I have my future in my hands for all purposes. It's okay. the availability. And I, I live okay. with this and it's something I want to speak to, but it's it's the availability. And I have this very big thing because right now office is home, home is office, kids will likely run down here shortly. Um, yeah. And I've got this thing of like, how, how can you try and do it all? Because forget yeah. just lockdown even before lockdown trying to launch tech trying to kind of upskill yourself into the tech world start having conversations i mean we, we we're pitching international vcs i'm doing it on zoom do you know how difficult that is to to get the excitement of what you do um to to kind of get that over a, a computer screen i mean we're going into tomorrow night we we're doing one of the i'm, I'm pitching to one of the biggest guys in in silicon valley and I've got to, I've got to be able to kind of show all my enthusiasm and my vision here without actually meeting me. It's, it's crazy. But I think mm. more than that, it's the ability to be where my feet are at any time. So as a mom, as a mom of young kids, as a teacher, as a wife, as all of these things, to try and be good at what I'm claiming to do at that time. So right now I'm speaking to you and I'm going to try my best to be good at doing that. When I'm finished here, I'm going to go upstairs and light a candles and a cake and I'm going to sing happy birthday to some children who are at my house. And without my phone, I'm going to try and be absolutely entrenched in that. The smallest things, but try and be conscious of where my feet are at the time when i'm bathing my baby tonight or reading to her to not to to know that those five ten minutes are critical to them and give them the best part of me at that time so i kind of live with this thing of trying to be where your feet are and it's flipping difficult it's difficult when you are in tech you're in startup you're in fundraising you're in a we're in a massive growth stage and we've been very fortunate and so i will not complain about how incredibly tough these last few weeks have been because I know I've got a company that's that's thriving and that's worth fighting for. So I feel very fortunate, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's it's been easy. But that my my life feels far more balanced having gone out of corporate. And and there's when you when we talk fan park um, in the in our I say early stage we're still early stage, but I, I've stood Absolutely. up and spoken a fair amount and. Why did we do Fan Park? For me, success is a very simple equation. Success equals happiness equals smiles minus frowns. Um, corny as it may sound, but it, it speaks to everything about me. For me to be happy, I will be successful. If, if, and, and it speaks to Fan Park at the end of the day. I mean, we've had thousands of orders go through our system and we can speak the celebrity element now, but what we are doing is connecting people. Like you remember, if you looked up to someone and you got an autograph or they hugged you, like that feeling of like absolute, like my word, this person actually, like he wrote his name for me. And now we have a platform that a person, you can send a, a, a little boy who thinks you're the most 
phenomenal thing who couldn't who would have no other way of receiving it from you and you can tell him how phenomenal he is you can say his name he's like how does that man know my name how does Ibn Etzebeth know my name um and and we ha we have the ability to impart like motivation and inspiration in the most authentic manner barring having one-on-one -on -one conversations with the person and so mm. I feel very, very fortunate to be able to do this because it's like I'm in a business now. I've always had this whole happiness equation that forms part of me, my marriage, my kids, my home and everything. And now I've got a business that's just an extension of that. And all we are about is creating smiles. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say one of my there's so many uh, interviews I've done recently that apply to exactly what you're saying. The first one is I interviewed Clyde Rathbone uh, yesterday morning um, for one of the coming episodes, and he was also talking about the transition from pro sports to business. Uh, he's got an amazing business. Um, but I was going to say that I, I spoke to a uh, pro marathon runner, and she said she refers to it as her North Star. She's got a default North Star and everything needs to play into that North Star. And for you, it's your happiness equation. And I can feel it bubbling over into your business. I mean, the whole idea yeah. of this is provide people with more smiles and give them less frowns by receiving a voice note or a video message from someone they appreciate. Um, I do have to comment, though, I have a heart of stone. I never really got uh, the idea of autographs. It was never really something I, I did. But I do understand the value. There's a um, lot out there who don't have a heart yeah. of stone. Nick, I don't think you have a heart <laughs> of stone. Yeah, in this regard, I think I do. Um, okay, so um, there's so much to unpack here that um, I don't even really know where to begin. But my first question around the starting of the business is, I'm always intrigued by this question of what people pick. So mm -hmm. I'm an obsessively, voraciously curious person by nature. I have got a history of really odd, interesting background, bands, tech, coding, whatever. How did you choose this startup to be the one that you would drive everything into? You've clearly got a lot of ideas. You clearly like a lot of side hustles. So I think the question is more of a philosophical question than a specific one. But a lot of people always ask me, Nick, how do I know this is going to be the one? Yeah, good question. To answer it, this startup chose me. At the t and and that's the honest truth. At the stage when I was still at the beginning of yeah, I mean at the beginning of last year, I had two tech companies, a cold press juice company, and a full time job in corporate, and and I had kind of thought like okay, mitigating my risk a little bit, yeah, and and the the progression of Fan Park happened so quickly that it chose me, and. And it just felt like there's some instances where you're, I mean, I, I've got, I've got battle scars here as a result of some of the stuff we've done. And Dylan, my husband and I still sit at night and we're like, do you remember like six years ago when we thought like we started working on something like that? And as we, as we started looking at everything, it's the, the conversations that we were having escalated quite quickly when it came to partnerships, when it came to a fun, initial conversations around fundraising and it got to a place. I'm not, a, I'm not, whilst I have side hustles, I'm an all in kind of person. And I had to put, it, it, it only felt right to put everything that I have into this. And, and we've seen the value of that. I mean, there's three, three of us full-time involved in the business. 
and what we have achieved over the last year alone, what we've done since, since an official kind of launch in October last year, we actually wrote the key milestones for an article recently and then showed our growth and our stats, et cetera. I wouldn't have been able to do that having done it part-time. So, but I don't, I didn't conscious, I, I consciously chose it, but in doing so, the business actually chose me. Did it have anything to do with traction? Um, I mean, you say that it chose you. Was that because you were seeing the traction versus yeah. the other things you were yeah. doing? And then you were like, yeah. oh, fuck, absolutely. this is the one. No, absolutely. Okay. You're going to back the winning, what you believe to be the winning horse. So, mm -hmm. and and, our, and my view is absolutely this is the winning horse. So, well, I got to, but, but I got to give it a fair enough chance. And I can't give it a fair enough chance if I'm wearing CFO hat, part-time tech, founder hats, et cetera. And as you start having conversations, so it's, it's, it's South Africa, but just as much as it is global. And when you're having conversations globally um, and bringing partners in um, globally who are also putting, investing their time, et cetera, you can't mm. be saying to them, I back this, I back joy, I back your vision, I back your idea, but I also know that you're kind of giving this three hours a day kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so I'm very open with our with our partners, with with everyone that th this is it. Um, this is it. We are all in on this, and it makes it even more um, interesting and challenging. And the fact that my husband's also all in on it. Um, we are mm. partners. He's he's two, the second of four founders here. And um, so so and we've got three kids. So like often what I'll say to people is like, this is my kids' future, guys. Um, best I best we make something of this. So, so no pressure, but yeah, I do think that it found me and you're hundred percent right. It was as a result of gauging which, which was the, which, which horse had the opportunity to win. Yeah. Interesting uh, comment about uh, this is your kid's future. Um, I don't know if you know this, but myself and my partner of 15 years, we built the soap business together and um, we spent seven years in the business together and we have an, an annual relationship AGM at the end of every year. And one of the years, yeah, it's it's a thing. That's a whole nother episode. Um, yeah, <laughs> we sit down and we, we discuss the big things. Where do you want to live? Do you still want to work together? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and one of the things we decided was it was too risky to have both of our incomes in one business. Um, so we started to sell that business because of that exact reason. We saw retail turning and we decided that it was too risky for us and our future to have both of our salaries come out of a single business. So yeah. I completely understand that. It is a very complicated thing to do. Um, yeah. Did you start the business off as self-funded? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. And how, how did you do the tech side of it? I mean, are, are either of you tech people? How did that work? No, no. So of the four, so there's four founders. Um, whilst Dylan comes from having kind of been involved in some tech investments and myself in the past, we can't code. Um, that being said, so we, we went with kind of an MVP and I don't think you ever will, ever will um, hear of a tech story that always necessarily went according to plan and it hasn't. Yep. Um, but we are actually likely two or three weeks away from launching a full new technology platform. So celebrity application, um, allowing for a hell of a lot of things that are going to be unlocked there, as well as a new global website. Um, so, so that's been a process. That's been a journey over the last few months. But how, if you're not tech people, who's building it for you? Um, we outsourcing. We outsourcing, okay. but we have had to. We've had to upskill ourselves a fair amount in terms of, in, not in terms of code. So, so I suppose there's an element in me that I can. I can read basic WordPress code. Okay, I can, and there have been times we're on WordPress at the moment. 
So there yeah. have been times over these last few months that I've literally sat up the whole night watching tutorials on how to change things and bug fixes and then going and actually coding it myself. So yeah, there Been we go. There. Um, so yeah. so can, I, can I code? No. Can I read some code a little bit? Um, do I have a basic understanding of, of building blocks? I mean, I'm sitting here next to a 1,500 piece puzzle that my children are doing. And all I know is that yeah. code is putting all of these things together and my very kind of practical mind, I'm able to kind of help kind of see the pieces coming together, but it yeah. has not been an easy process. But I do know that when we go live, it will be what we're going live with will be something that's pretty phenomenal. However, we are in fundraising and the first hire um, is going to be a full on international CTO of this business because we've got we've got a we've got a very interesting kind of roadmap over these next few months. And we will, I'm not going to be part wearing the the hat of CTO, I tell you. Um, that's so interesting. It's, it's one of the roadblocks that so many people put in their way when they start something is, oh, I don't know tech, or oh, I've got an idea for an app. And, you know, they just stop there because they can't code. But where there is a will, there is an outsource. Um, and so I think there is always a way to do it, especially if you're looking at the MVP approach, but you don't need a fully fledged product. You can just launch the most key feature. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting to hear. Um, what is your revenue model? How does it work? So our current revenue model, celebrities come on, they, and I say celebrities, but it is, and it's people, but I think our, our North Star with Fan Park is people, we're connecting people with those they admire. And that's really important because even with a heart of stone or whatever you said you are, there's still a person that inherently you look up to and say they're pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and, and so we connect, the, to be on Fan Park, you have to do, have done something that is admirable, something that people look up to. You come on, you put your own price, um, and and then we keep 25%. That's, that's in its rawest form at the moment. Um, yeah. There will be a number of things that are coming in over the next few months. Have you, uh, this is a very personal question have, for me, have you considered business celebrities? Because if you were to get Bob Iger, yes. Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, I would absolutely pay to have them send my voice notes. Yeah. So Sarah Blakely for me. Um, I, Sarah Blakely, Sarah absolutely. Sarah Blakely is my person. Um, the woman who started Spanx, I follow Spanx, everything yeah. about her. And if I were able to, so absolutely, business and entrepreneurship actually is a small um, position at the moment, but it's something that we are focusing a, a hell of a lot on over these next few months. Um, and we've got cool. some interesting kind of international partnerships that we've that we have. Some have been finalized, others that we're working on to unlock that. So, so a Sarah Blakely coming onto the platform for me, yes, one hundred percent. Because I keep oh, going back to it's people that others admire. And so it's not just, it, it's not necessarily sport or entertainment. It's 100% business as well. Cool. Um, we do have questions, but I'm going to leave those to the end um, just so that I can edit this in the appropriate way. Um, okay. So I'm quite interested. Uh, I saw that you're expanding. I have tr tried uh, some successfully and some unsuccessfully to expand into international markets. I've done the partnership model. I've tried to hire a team and do it myself. Um, so how did you choose which model you were going to work on and uh, which markets to go into? Yeah. Um, again, there is an element of, of it having found us. Um, in okay. terms of the, in terms of our initial markets, so we've got we've got a very clear market roadmap, and then there have been kind of some that have come a bit easier than others as such, 
um, our, our view again, and I, I refer to what I said in the beginning, is global, global platform, global technology, local implementation. And that's really important with what we are doing here in the fact that um, I cannot. I, so the superstars in India, I mean, India is 1.4 billion people. It's the equivalent of, for purposes, 26 South Africans. And they have got you, everyone's like, oh, Bollywood and crickets. But you've got actually so much more than Bollywood and crickets in India. And, and for me to sit here and claim that I know that or have access to it is, is absolutely impossible. So mm. our approach from the start has been finding the right partners in key markets who have access to talent and who have the ability to execute. So ours is a partnership, ours is a partnership model. And to this point, it's worked very well for us. And yeah, uh, have me back on here in a year's time and I can give you an update. Deal. <laughs> Um, okay, so I, I'm curious on your view of side hustles for everyone. Um, obviously, you are a motivated, uh, successful multitasker. Uh, yeah. Most people struggle to do one thing well. Um, how, how do you see side hustles in the role of an employer, an employee? Like, what if your staff have got side hustles? Like, what's your general view on them? I love it. And I'll tell you why. Side, everyone does side hustles for different reasons. Some are doing it for monetization. Some are doing it for, as a creative outlet. Um, there's various reasons that all of us do it. And at the end of the day, it's important to stretch your mind. If you are here to, and, and working on self-improvement, whether, whether it be with a clear goal at the end or actually just kind of tapping into something that might be interesting to you at the time, I thoroughly encourage it. We can't be sitting here stagnant with brains that are kind of just entrenched in the what can be sometimes mon the mundaneness of day-to-day -day business life, whatever the case might mm. be. So my approach, and yes, I'm an I my, my mind's going too much sometimes for my own liking, um, but I 100% encourage it, whether it be um, as a result of kind of wanting a bit of a financial benefit at the end, or whether it be just having a different outlet. I think it's critical. I think it's critical to the human race. Cool. Love it. Great answer. Your enthusiasm is infectious. Um, so coupled with uh, startups, raising VC, side hustles is one of my favorite topics, failure. Um, you can't have a startup without failure. It's just not possible. My track record is 13 businesses, 10 failures, three successes since I was 16. So I've been deep in the shit. Um, so talk to me about failure in your life. Um, are you used to it? Are you comfortable with it? Do you avoid it like the plague? How does it sit with you? So I'm used to it. Do I like it? No. <laughs> um, and it's hard. I am, I'm not sure if you can pick it up over here. I am kind of a type planner, everything. Um, yeah, hard, hard to we, pick up. We can hey. pick it up. Yeah, we can pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's difficult for me and I have failed over and over and over again. And I continue to fail um, every single day. And my realization is that that's okay. Um, it's okay as long as I'm coming out on the other end, stronger, um, more enthused, um, smarter, wiser, kinder, um, whatever it might be. Because when I'm talking failure, I'm not just talking 
failure in business. I'm talking failure in marriage. I'm talking failure as with as being a mom. Um, and it's kind of calling myself out for it or other people calling me out for it and realizing that it's okay to, you don't have to always be everything to everyone at all those times. And we're human. And if we're going to approach ourselves and others with kindness and grace and patience, then it's absolutely okay. And I, I'm saying all of that because I'm saying it to myself all the time is joy. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to not be perfect at everything you're doing. And it's okay to be a difficult wife sometimes and perhaps not have said the, the right thing. And it's okay to have shouted at my kids when I shouldn't have shouted at them. Um, as long as I come out on the other side in a better place than when I when I went in, if that makes sense. But Jeepers it, Nick, it yeah, no, I have failed, um, I, yeah, business-wise, we have failed a hell of a lot. Um, but I can sit here and say those the, the memories that we have as a result of it and what both Dylan and I prior to Fan Park have learned from it, I don't think I'd be easy I don't think I'd easily be able to sit here as confident as I am to be able to be at the helm of this business as we aim to grow it internationally without those failures. And even within Fan Park, Jeepers, technology, um, what we've what we've learned over the last year and a bit. Um, but I can vehemently say I'm sitting here a far wiser and smarter person in those areas that I failed at um, than I was beforehand. And if I couldn't take those learnings and bring those learnings here, well, then I've done something very wrong. But, but failure is difficult for me. It, it's very, very difficult for me. Yeah, I think um, failure without the lessons is just a failure. And that's what most people are scared of, um, is that failure without yeah. any value out of it. And what I try and tell people is the only failure you should try and avoid is death, like the one that leads yeah. to you actually dying. And I mean that literally. Yeah. If you will do this and it will kill you, it's a cuck idea. Don't do that. If it's not going to yeah. kill you, go the fuck forward. Do it. You're not going to die. Who cares? Like, this is just the way the world lives. Um, but that is, it's quite an interesting segue for me into um, the, the idea and the conversation around mental health. Um, it's, it's a very big one for me. I think it's 90% of the battle for entrepreneurs and South Africans generally like to avoid this conversation like the plague. Um, we don't like to talk about mental toughness. We don't like to talk about mental resilience. Um, I see a psychologist. I saw him yesterday. Um, I called him my mental coach to help men in South Africa specifically understand that it's okay to coach your mind because you coach your body. Um, yeah. So how do you stay mentally fit? Is it something you're conscious of? You seem like a very um, together person, but I'm sure that it's not always that way. Yeah. No, it's not always that way. Dylan's sitting here next to me and I can hear him like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I am an open book, um, which, which certainly helps in terms of handling challenging situations and, and realizing that it's okay to not be okay. But I'm very, very focused on not doing it alone. So whether it be coaches, whether it be psychologists, whether it be friends, whether it be community, whether it be faith, whatever it is, um, I advocate figuring out what that is for a person. For me, yeah. it is faith, it is community, it's professionals who can also help me. And it's surrounding myself with people who, who care enough, that I respect enough to listen to their voice, even when their voice is challenging the, the deepest kind of 
in those of me. Um, because yeah. as kind of in my personality, it's not nice or being told that you are making mistakes or that you've done something wrong. But it's surrounding myself with people that I know can say it to me. And it's coming from a place that they are doing it because they care, love and respect me. Um, and it's also a conscious awareness. It's a conscious awareness to realize let's talk lockdown let's i mean here we go mm. so in yeah. the beginning of lockdown i said to my two older kids seven and five who don't know what this world is and they don't know they, all they know is that they haven't been able to go to school for x amount of months and mom and dad have had to have homeschooled them and i've said what you guys need to know is that you're going to wake up some days and you're going to be grumpy and that's okay you might not know why you're grumpy but it's okay to be grumpy just as mm. there are days that you're going to want to just break free from here, well, we'll run you around the house a fair amount. So it's the realization and the conscious awareness to, to again, I suppose, go back to feel what you're feeling at that moment and give it the space to, to be what it is because it's your body telling yeah. you something. And, and I'm not perfect at it, um, but I'm really, I'm really, really trying. And I'm trying for a number of reasons because... I, in the world that I was in from a, in a corporate perspective, I was biting off far more than I can chew. And I actually picked up an autoimmune disease as a result of it. Um, and that is not, that wasn't food. It wasn't anything. It was stress. And it was me internalizing my stress. And it got to, it got to a place that if it had continued for that much longer, I don't know that death thing. Yeah. I think I was, might've been quite close to that. So it was me realizing what gets me there, realizing what my triggers are, and then making a conscious effort to not not go there again because i also have to understand how i've been made which is i am a go-getter yeah. i am very driven so not try not be who i am but realize that when i start picking up certain feelings that i must deal with them um and that 100%. has absolutely come around to me and kind of a full circle around surrounding myself with people um professionals as well um so i both my husband and i see professionals because number one I, I do believe that we need this kind of stuff. And number two, we are in business together and we have three kids together. So, so yep. there's an element of also understanding that it's, you don't have to do it alone. And there are people out there who have the ability to see things um, perhaps that you don't see and can't see as a result of your circumstances. And then just showing grace. I, I keep going back to this thing of like, being graceful, being kind, and and um, yeah, and 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 listening. So I know that kind of lots of people say like, how do you? What happens when your your head switches off? The reality is, with what I do have on my plate at the moment, I don't have too much downtime. But my time for me is running, is doing exercise. It is yesterday. I pay through and through. So that I can go out. I went out yesterday over lunchtime and I put my earphones in and I ran for an hour and a half and I listened to podcasts. That is my time. Mm. It's my time mm. to kind of just try and get my head to switch off a little bit from the kind of where we are at the moment and then to listen to yeah. a different voice. And I love podcasts. I'm a podcast absolute queen. I love, I love podcasts, entrepreneurial podcasts, women in business podcasts, men in business, kids in business. I don't care. I love it. Well, now you're on one, so... Well, there we go. <laughs> I won't want to listen to myself. That much you must know. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, okay, that, that's really interesting and poignant. I mean, um, I'm always amazed, and I was a victim of this, uh, the disconnect between what your body's telling you and what your brain will acknowledge. So in my early 20s, uh, I worked myself to hospital twice. Um, I had a stomach ulcer that I had to drive myself to the hospital to because I wouldn't even ask for help. My ego was so fragile. And um, I had kidney stones twice while running a startup and raising funding. So at that point, at no point did I go, I wonder if this is stress related. I just was baffled as to why I was feeling this way. And 10 years later, I was like, oh, my body was telling me to slow down. Oh, I get yeah. it. It's amazing the disconnect between what your brain understands and what your body is telling you. Um, yeah. So now I'm a huge advocate of putting yourself at the top of your priority list, not at the bottom, because when mm -hmm. you are okay, everyone else will be okay around you. Um, yeah. And it's such a key thing. It's why I ask so much about it. Um, yeah. One thing that ties into that quite closely um, that I'm very conscious of is that it's two parts to this. One is the people you surround yourself with and the mentors that you've had. So I, I've never had mentors. I don't really have them. I don't know how to find them. I don't know how anyone else has. Um, so what I've done is surround myself with people I want to be like. My friends are the people I want to be like. Um, so how do you do that? What are your friends like? Do you, Have you lost friends doing the things you do? Because being an entrepreneur and a mom of three is fucking hard. So yeah. surely there are people who don't get that. And how do you how do you work with them? And how do you yeah. move on from them? So, so mentor is a tricky one for me. Um, I don't know if I have a mentor, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a mentor. But what I do have, and also I'm... A, sorry, this thing's popping on my screen here, so I'm just getting rid of them. I am a relative introvert. I am not a person that feels comfortable in big crowds, kind of s sitting here speaking to you is like massively out of my comfort zone. Um, so I have a very small, close-knit group of friends. Um, it's been tricky for me as well because I, I mentioned in the beginning that I, I was, my dad was in the diplomatic corps. So I went to 12 different schools in my life, 12 different wow. schools, which meant and many of insane. them were in different countries or different provinces or whatever the case might be. So every single time I joined a school and felt like I belonged somewhere, more often than not, I was uprooted and moved again. And, mm. and that's been really, really difficult for me to understand why I'm not that great at at, I, I protect my heart and then I have the ability to cut things off and only at quite recently could I actually put that into words and because I like I hated it about myself I was like how can I cut people how can I cut people off so easily and I realized that I don't know anything different for 12 years for 12 different schools America back Cape Town Pretoria Pretoria America America Pretoria Cape Town I have had to start and stop again and in doing so protect my own heart. So whereas I've got my husband who was born and bred in Pearl and has got the same friends that basically they were toddlers together. Those memories for me, I've actually often closed off because there've been so many stop starts for me. So recently I have had to make conscious decisions around, around friendships because I value them so much and I value honest connections and, and real mm. connections so much. But I have been bad in the past with, with kind of getting to a place that I just cut people, whether it, I might validate it in my head or not at the or, or not at that time is actually irrespective. And I was quite hard on myself 
for, for doing it. It was a trait of mine that I really didn't like until I actually understood this is why you do it. And now that I'm conscious as to why I do it, I need to stop doing it. And so I have got a, I've got a small group of people around me who, who don't claim to know kind of the path that I'm on in terms of trying to build this global business, etc. but are just kind. They're great listeners. I'd like to think I, I'm trying to be a better listener as well. Um, and then I've got, and then in our company, I've, we've got, we've got kind of a strategic, we've got st strategic advisory as well. Um, and a very conscious group of people, some that are kind of in, in within our exco and some that are just friends who I value and I trust with my life. And in doing that, I know that that I can phone them, say, here's my head, here's what I'm thinking, here's why I'm thinking it, am I making the right decision? And they'll say yes, no, and we'll kind of have those things. Um, and I suppose on the other hand, I've also got a husband who I look up to tremendously. He drives me mad a lot of the time, but I, I look at him, not as my mentor, because I don't think that that's healthy, um, but I look up to where he's come from and what he's overachieved, what he's achieved in his in the his world and in his life, and the obstacles that he's overcome. And I think, like Jeepers, there's so much from you and from your learnings in your life, um, and and the path that you've kind of how you've been raised, where you've come from, etc., and where you are now, and the man that you are, and the father that you are, and the husband that you are, and the businessman that you are. And I can only look at that and be like that's phenomenal and and to be on a journey with a person like that that i can rely on and depend on and have as a sounding board i put a huge amount of value to that yeah that's very cool um it's so interesting that uh, we actually have had in our heads the same conversation about cutting people out um except we ended up on different sides of the fence i i am very happy with my ability to cut people out I think it's a skill that I, I hone and I use very carefully to get really? rid of shit. Um, I, I'm, I've got a way to just, I'm sorry, I've, so I've got 10 mechanisms that I live by. These are, they shape my worldview. Um, and one of them is trust people until they give you a reason not to. And that's yeah. it. When they've done that, they're gone. There is no coming back from it. I don't believe in second chances. I think you've screwed me. It's done. So I pride myself in my ability to refine the way that I cut people out so that I'm cutting out the bad people and letting in the good. Um, yeah. But yeah, very interesting to hear it from another perspective too. Um, yeah. And yes, I don't disagree with that. I think what I've hmm. done poorly in the past is, so here's the thing, I can cut out people easily and people that I should be cutting out. But in doing so, I have also cut out people who I shouldn't. And that's okay. an element that I'm not proud of. And, and I was hard yeah. on myself until I realized why. And then I was like, okay, I get it. It's kind of entrenched in you. Now, how do we undo some of that? That makes complete sense to me. Um, so I'm quite interested in this idea of lifelong learning. Um, and I, I can only imagine that someone like you uh, is too. How do you, in your extremely busy life, I have no children, so I have no idea what it's like to have three. Um, how do you find time to create this environment where you're always at the forefront of learning, uh, not only in your industry, but in the world, right? Uh, I'm a fan of the idea of an expert generalist where you've got a breadth of skill, but a depth of knowledge. Um, how do you promote that in your life? How do you find the time? Yeah, it's tricky, Nick. Um, and I'm not doing it well at the moment, to be honest with you. Okay. So in terms of kind of honing lifelong skills, 
right now where we are where we are as a business we are entrenched in global growth international fundraising um, and that is all consuming but what comes as a result of that is lifelong growth and and development etc because i am sitting reading up as to kind of funding funding kind of um approaches in depending on kind of the vcs that i'm dealing with whether i'm dealing with east africa or, or silicon valley but not only that it's it's kind of the growth that we're going into at the moment in the growth phase phase of the business around the markets that we're going into and i think the biggest element in terms of learning and appreciation for for, for learning in this in this element is understanding is, is taking on the understanding and the realization of how different cultures are. So we're in Germany at the moment. That process has been absolutely eye-opening. They are you think, okay, it's Europe, we're South African, like hello, guten tag kind of thing. It's vastly different. It's vastly different. And to approach it with a respect and an open-mindedness to say, I'm going to come out of this far wiser as a result mm. of it. Going into India now, jeepers, creepers. Um, it's an absolute eye-opener. And, yeah. and, and, and West Africa, I mean, we really are, we, we, we're setting ourselves up for some serious learnings <laughs> and hopefully no failures. Um, but, but the reality is that's the, that for me right now and, and where I am at the moment, that's the learning. That is the kind of focus area and then the ability to kind of have the time and the, and the headspace to do something else. That's through exercise for me. It's the one yeah. time that I'm able to switch off and plug in and just either hear the sound of my own voice, which I don't really like, um, or, or to listen to podcasts. So that, yeah. And so it's probably not the perfect answer, but that's just as a result of life at the moment. No, interestingly, I think it's a better answer than you think it is. I think that uh, startup founders, side hustle starters, entrepreneurs, business owners, I think that generally the pursuit of your business is you learning a new skill whether you yeah. realize it or not. And I, I think it's the thing that I'm trying to coach people with their side hustles is you can't just have a good idea and then have a business. Those things are not the same. Having an idea is one thing. Running a business is accounting and HR and startups and websites and design and marketing. You learn those things. So I think you, without realizing it, you're being too hard on yourself. You are constantly learning about India and West Africa and Germany and WordPress and code and, and tech. And so I, I think maybe you're in a position where you're being too hard on yourself because you are constantly learning all the time. Um, and I think that that's the trait of being a founder is you are too hard on yourself because there is almost always more to do. So you yeah. feel like you're always behind. Um, so I, you're in a fortunate position that you've got a very supporting partner and obviously a co-founder. Um, I'm, I've got a very polarizing view and answer to this question, but what do you say to people whose partners, friends, family are not supportive of their dreams and ideas? <laughs> um, it's a good, good question, that one. Um, I think it's to understand where there's misalignment. Okay, so supporting or not, generally, if you're married to someone, they, they, they love you and they want to support you. There's something that has created, okay, well, maybe not, but okay, I'm going to work on that assumption. That, yeah, that's, yeah, if you're in marriage, you are, you're there because you love each other and want to support each yeah. other. But it's, it's yeah. getting back to where there, there's a point of misalignment. 
So, and, and that is, I suppose, understanding where that, where that misalignment comes from. Is it, is it the path that you're on to get to a, a des, a, the same desired goal? Or is it the fact that your goals are totally misaligned? And so if your end goal is, is the same, but your approach to get there, and that's causing a lot of kind of frustration, the feelings of not being supported, et cetera, then that's something that can kind of be worked through and conversations be had because there's, there's the same end goal in place. If there's a different end goal in place, then jeepers, I don't know, because life is hard enough. If, if in a marriage, if in a partnership, if in a relationship, you're not both working towards the same end goal, then then that's a problem then perhaps run for yeah. the hills um yeah. i don't encourage no, that but but you, i do that so it's not I straight saying, up are you supportive yeah. or aren't you it's what's led to that and is this are, are you yeah. look are you working towards the same goal and perhaps just irritated about where you are on that path to the same goal mm. then that's something that kind of get the skills to work through if that same goal is not the same goal and it's totally misaligned well then I, I, I don't feel comfortable answering that question. <laughs> I happily will. So my answer is much simpler. I think that people need to be more selfish about their dreams and ambitions. I think that you need to, I've been really lucky that I've had the same partner for 15 years and she's supported every screw up business idea, side hustle I've ever wanted to do. She's helped me get to wherever I want to go. Um, so I say run. If those people don't support you, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your best friend, your partner, if they don't support you, leave them. You have yeah. one shot at life. You need to pursue your happiness. If it involves that person, great. And if it doesn't, that's great too. There are other people yeah. in the world. Um, and that's actually a segue into almost my last question. Um, yes. I was watching a TV show recently and the main character uh, is a billionaire and he said, answering a question, that you don't get to be a billionaire without being a monster. I'm a monster. I make monsters. And I'm here because I'm a monster. So my question is, do you think you can achieve massive levels of success without being some kind of a monster? What do you think I'm going to say? Um, you well, you say gonna... what you're going to say, and I'll challenge you on it, yeah. <laughs> no. I don't think that you have to be a monster, but let's talk about success. Okay. So success for me is, is happiness, smiles, minus frowns. Now, if you have to be a monster to get that, that speaks totally to what my happiness and success equation isn't. Um, and I think that being cutthroat, being ambitious, being super driven, being hard, sticking to what you believe, um, that that's different. So that's not a monster. Making tough calls is not being a monster and jeepers in this world of entrepreneurship, you have to do it. You have to, you're going to be challenged in ways that you didn't think people could challenge you. And as you start building a business that perhaps has a, some value, you're also going to have some interesting people start coming onto your path who potentially are monsters um, and realize, realize kind of try and divert, divert you from your path. And but that doesn't mean by being firm and being committed and being cutthroat doesn't make you a monster. And I think it all comes down to the kind of the why. Why are you doing it? What is that? What is that? What does success look like for you? And and then and then kind of deeming how you're going to do it. But I would like to think that on my path to success. Um, which I, I hope one day will will result in kind of a, a successful, happy, prosperous company. 
um, that I can do it without being a monster. Uh, and don't just, don't confuse being a monster in my world to being being difficult, being firm, being perhaps stubborn sometimes. Um, that doesn't make one a monster in my view. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting conversation mainly because of the saying that's coming to my mind is one man's hero is another man's terrorist. Um, just because you don't see your actions as monstrous doesn't mean the person you're standing on doesn't. And at some point, some of us are going to have, you have to, you cannot be a billionaire without standing on someone. You cannot have a global dominated business without Zuckerberg being criticized for not having the right privacy policies. Yeah. Someone is going to think of you as a monster. And I think you have to lock that away and be okay with that. Like you've said, because you've defined success for yourself. That's yeah. the key thing. Yes, so you are 100% right. And I think the scary thing is that there probably are some people that might listen to this who think I'm a monster. Yeah, um, and that's okay, though. That's, that's okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is okay. I think the realization, though, is I can't. I also cannot sit here wondering and kind of worrying about what people are going to think of me as long as I don't define myself as a monster. So if I'm saying I'm a monster, you kind of you set the tone for how you approach yeah. things. I hope and I hope I don't approach things in a way that is deemed as monstrous to mm. someone else, even though it is very unlikely that that will happen, because like you said, to kind of walk this path on, on entrepreneurship, there is going to be something that's left kind of and someone who might feel hard done by. But I do hope yeah. that in the way in which I do things, I would hope that it isn't seen as that, even though it's unlike it's it's unfortunately likely that it will be. Cool. Um, so that is it for formal questions. Uh, what would you like to leave us with um, in this time of pandemic, knowing that my audience is startup founders, entrepreneurs, side hustlers? Um, what would you like to part with? What would I like to part with? Well, number one, I want to thank you for having me on this. It's been really cool. And awesome. thanks for listening to, yeah, having me on this session for the last hour. What I'd like to leave people with is times are incredibly tough at the moment and people are having to pivot their businesses. They're having to think out of the box. They're having to digitize often when digitizing is something that they've fought against for a long time. Sure, but you can even just look at schools and, and digitizing of schools. Did we ever think that there was going to have to be a forced situation for that? But it's less about the idea. It's more about execution. And so many people can have the same idea. Someone even reminded me that when we came up with the idea of Fan Park, it's very likely that somewhere in the world at that same time, there was a person thinking of the exact same Fan Park idea. And we are where we are right now as a result of solid execution and sometimes not so solid execution. And it's backing yourself enough to know that it doesn't just have to be this monstrous idea. Monstrous. Why am I saying monstrous now? I shouldn't be using that language. Put it in your um, head. <laughs> but, this, but this massive idea that has to be totally life-changing and be able to entrench yourself into a number of different markets, it just has to be something that is executed well. And that execution, whether it be customer service, whether it be a great user journey, whether it be delivering something on time, whether it be speaking to a person in a way that they really want to be spoken to, whatever it is that someone's doing, it comes down to solid execution. And I I think in South Africa, we, we can often say that kind of customer service in South Africa is bad or whatever the case might be. But I think in South Africa, we 
we inherently take a hell of a lot of pride in what we do. And pride, taking pride in what you do often results in really good execution. And so backing ourselves more when it comes to execution. We are hard workers. We are flipping hard workers. And to back ourselves through these incredibly challenging times, I'm by no means discounting this pandemic and what it's done to people, what it's done to families, to businesses, to lives, to anything. But I, I would like nothing more than for us to come out of this in whatever sector we are in to say we, we, we didn't allow it to cripple us. We didn't look at kind of the broader economic picture of our of our country at the moment and say, well, this country is, we're going to collapse economically, but rather, where is the opportunity and what can I keep doing and what can I keep doing well? And well means solid execution. And in executing well, you will, you'll reach the end point that you want. Cool. Um, so before we get to the last three questions from the audience, uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find your business, where they can follow you to get more of your insights? Sure. So we're myfanpark.com. Please visit it. Please book videos and continue to follow us because like I've mentioned over the next few months, there's so much exciting stuff coming. So even if you go on there now and you say, maybe there's no one that I want there, or I'm not really so keen on booking a video shout out, just watch the space. There's some super cool things coming. That's yeah. And then you can follow me. Um, I'm, I'm working on this whole LinkedIn world. I'm pretty new to all of this, to be honest, kind of introverted CFO here. I'm having to really throw myself out there, um, but I'm on LinkedIn as Joy Des Fountain. You can also follow us on my fan park. And yeah, that's me. Cool. Okay, so the questions from the audience. Um, Mike has got a few. Mike, always fantastic to have you in the audience. Thank you. Um, the first is, do you work with talent directly or their agents or both? So where did these questions come from that I can't see? Uh, at the bottom on, on the little strip, oh, it says, a ask a question. Oh, I thought yeah. I was prepared. Totally not prepared. Um, so oh, Mike, okay. thanks for that question. It's a, it's a very hybrid approach. We approach talent directly um, through, through networks. And I think something in South Africa that we've been very fortunate is as a result of our founding team. So Jean de Villiers is actually one of the four founders. And so, and, and through his network, Dylan's network, et cetera, um, we've been able to get access to talent that perhaps we wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So that's helped, and those are one-on-ones. Then you've got kind of the standard just approaching people on social media, um, which is always interesting. And, and then yes, there are, there are, we also go through agents um, and depending, so, so we've got agency relationships and then we've also got broader commercial relationships, which unlock talent for us as well. So it's very much a hybrid approach. Oh, um, the next one from Mike is how do you determine the price for a celebrity? We don't, the celebrity determines their price and it's- And do you guide them? We do, but they come on for different reasons. So you, one generally thinks that oh, people are coming on to monetize and yes, there might be an element, but it's not always an element. There's an element mm. of this is a new way of connecting. So, so you're coming on to, to monetize something that you're doing anyways, number one, but connecting with someone that, that you wouldn't otherwise connect with. And, and then also there's also a relevance in, uh, factor here that a number of our guys um, come on here, sports, sports stars, et cetera, people who may have retired, and it's a way for them, they might not be on TV anymore, but it's a way for them to still connect with people who look up to them. Cool, makes sense. And then the last question is an interesting one. I'll chime in after you do. Um, what are your top tips for networking? 
Jeepers, I am. It, it, you're asking the wrong person because it's like a fish oh. to water. No, not a fish. I'm so... I'm like a fish climbing a tree. Yes, yeah, sorry. There we go. Um, <laughs> so my top tips to networking is... <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what I... To care less. To not <laughs> overthink it. I am an overthinker. Perfect. To not yeah. care. To put yourself out there and not worry what someone is going to think or say or, or deem as successful or not. And to just put yourself out there um, and have the confidence or lack thereof to do so and back yourself. Um, and mm. then a lot of it is research. So in this time that we are down at the moment, I've actually found it. So I feel safe in many instances because I'm behind a laptop. But I've put myself into forums, onto webinars, onto a number of things that I wouldn't have otherwise done, and locally, but very much internationally as well, to just throw it out there and say, like, this is me, this is my business. And, and, and I found that the response has actually been pretty phenomenal. But my first thing, and I, it's a tip because I have to tell myself that all the time, is to, to care less and to not overthink it and to just th throw it out there. 100% agree with you. Um, so from my side, uh, I, I've spent a lot of time networking, building up businesses, raising money uh, from all over the world. And my, I've got three key things that I think people need to do more of. Uh, the first one is be authentic. Uh, if you're networking and people and you're being fake and you're trying to get something out of someone, they can smell you a mile away. Just be authentically you and people who want to be around you will then be around you. And if they don't, they won't. You can't fake your way to a real business network. It just doesn't work. Then the very quickly followed on from that is while you're being authentic, you have to think long term. You don't build meaningful relationships in a meeting at some random startup event one time. It takes decades to build a real network that you can pull into when you need to. You can't raise money from someone you've just met. It does not work that way. I raise money from people that I've met 15 years ago. I get into business with people I met when I was 10, uh, when I was 20. Not now. It's not how it works. And then the third one is actually stolen from Kevin Kelly, who's the founder of Wired Magazine. He says, and I love this, get over your fear of trying again. Because just you're shy and you try once and you're like, oh, that person didn't respond, I'm out. No, that person is busy or distracted or tired or missed your email or didn't get your call or something. Try one more time. My advice is if you're networking, try one more time. And mm -hmm. for me, it works so incredibly. Um, my first podcast interviews with this podcast were the founder of EA Sports, um, Electronic Arts, the guys who make FIFA, mm -hmm. and the founder of Starbucks. And both of those people I met randomly because I called, mailed them, or added them on LinkedIn and said, hey, would you like to be on my my podcast? And they were like, okay, that's it. Incredible. Just put yourself out there and try. Yeah. Um, we did get one more question snuck in. Um, does your business model include a fee, comma, royalty for introductions to famous people? Um, it doesn't as of yet. Well, our, our technology doesn't as of yet. It will um, shortly, but there are... We have done it in the past, but not through not through the platform. Cool. Okay, that is it. I think you've given me so much of your time. It's been such a pleasure. Like I said earlier, your enthusiasm is infectious, and I really do um, wish all the best for you guys. I love the idea, and I'm so glad to see that you're expanding globally. Um, and we'll keep an eye on my fan park. You're so kind. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. Cheerio. 
Thank you so much for listening to that live recorded webinar episode. Uh, that is one of the series of curiously quarantined episodes that I have made available to you while I record season two of the Curious Cult Show, which will be focused on starting something. That season comes out really soon. Um, so please keep a lookout for that. If you liked this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Please share, like, review, and give us some love anywhere you can think of on the interwebs.